In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew. Some folks like pointy collars. Some folks like rounded collars. Some folks like fire engine red and some like a more cinnamony red. That's the case today because this is In the Lab. I'm Drew Doherty. That's John Harris. We are so thankful that you're watching, listening, however you're, you're imbibing this, and uh, we hope you're doing great today. John, what's new with you, big baby? Uh, not a whole heck of a lot. My nose is a little, um, it's a little beat up, man. What happened? Keep sticking swabs up in my nose. Mm, 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 mm. Three days straight, so yeah, it's been, uh, but other than that, it's been, uh, it's, it's been okay, Drew. It's, you know, yesterday, yesterday being Monday, uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, yesterday right. being Monday, was really the first time, I think, in a while where I felt like, okay, like, I, I guess I need to start getting excited about training camp because I just kind of felt like a lot of people like on hold, like, is it going to happen? Is what's going to, what's it going to be? Now, we don't know exactly what it's going to be, but I just think the fact that there was some agreement on the medical and health aspects between NFL and NFLPA was like, okay, we're kind of moving the boulder down, down the road a little bit. I think it stinks without in preseason games. I love having you down there on the sidelines uh, during games. That's really cool. Uh, it's cool for me. Um, I'd love having you down there, but uh, that's going to stink if there are no preseason games and it looks like that's going to be the case. Um, but it was really the first time that I started to kind of get excited about training camp that we could actually have a training camp and let's see what we can do while moving into the season. Yeah, I'm glad you bring all that up because that's what we're going to talk about in the meat of this podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about curiosities for this season. But first, you touched on the no preseason games. We've got to just chit-chat about that for one quick second. You know, in grand scheme of things, the viewer, the, the football fan, it's not going to matter too much to them that there's yeah. no preseason. I understand that. You understand that. We all understand that. Yeah. However, a lot of the guys who are scratching and clawing and trying to fight their way onto an NFL roster, fringe guys, guys that are kind of categorized in that 55 to 90 roster spot category, this yeah. hurts them. This is a big, big blow for them. Uh, had this happened back in the mid to early 90s, Terrell Davis would not be in the Hall of Fame right now. He no, made his bones right. in a preseason game. Other guys throughout history have had their uh, preseason moments, and that helped propel them onto the roster. So it hurts those folks. And then the other people it, it hurts really uh, in a pretty big way are stadium workers and people involved in the broadcast, not necessarily yep. folks like me on the sideline. I wish I was doing it. I'm going to be okay. But there's folks who, you know, are running – man on the cameras in the game, and they're, yeah. you know, they rely on that stuff, those, those – those uh, freelance dollars, put folks in the, the video trucks, you know, punching buttons and pulling up graphics, so on and so on. It doesn't just happen. You don't just set a camera up and put people in front of it. It takes an orchestra, so to speak, to make that happen. So it hurts those folks too, because that's four yeah. paychecks in most instances. And most of the time it pays pretty darn well for, you know, what, what turns out to be a day, day and a half, two days of work. So yeah. sucks for them, sucks for those fringe players even more, because this could be and could have been their one shot at uh, getting into the NFL and becoming a professional athlete for a, a sustainable amount of time. So sorry for them. And, uh, yep. you know, yeah, we're, most of us 
doesn't really affect us, but it, there are some, some, some careers, some lives that are, you know, on a hinge point with, because of this. Yeah, you're exactly right, Drew. And I always look forward to the fourth preseason game because selfishly I get an opportunity to go up in the booth with Mark. Yeah. And that's something that I've done annually. Now we didn't do it in the hurricane Harvey year because we lost game four, because what happens on that week four is there's a college game typically on that Thursday night that Andre will go do. He'll do that. That's the opening game for yeah, college. Like first game of night. the year, pretty much. Yeah. It's the first game of the year. And so Mark um, has me come up in the booth and that's always what I've, I've, I've always loved doing that. I think that's something that I would, I, well, I, I don't think I know. I know I would love to be analyzing games and obviously Andre does a tremendous job. So that one opportunity I get to do it to kind of work on that craft so I can do it for college games and such. It helps. It helps tremendously. So, you know, selfishly, yeah, you, you lose out on, on aspects like that. And like you said, there's so many people behind the scenes. I mean, I think about just walking in the building and, and seeing, uh, seeing James at the end of the, the West End walkway, I always see him um, who is, you know, helping with security and, and everything in the building. And I just think all the people that we know that work at Energy Stadium, that's a, that's a nice little paycheck for at two paychecks for the two games they do at home each yeah. year, and, and they'll miss out on that. So uh, I, I hate it for them. I, you, to your point about, about the players from 55 to 90 in the roster, Drew, I think it's going to be even more difficult because you're going to have to get players one through 55 ready for the season with, you know, no preseason games on top of that, no joint practices. Right. So with the ramp up period being about 18 days, you may not have as much time to get your regulars ready for the season. So that means probably even fewer reps for the guys 55 through 90. Now I do think, one of the things that teams might do, and I know I would probably want to do this, is I might want to have like a second practice that is just my rookies and guys that have potential for being on the practice squad. And maybe it's just an hour long. Maybe it's seven on seven on one end, and it's one-on-ones on the other end that they do in addition. We've seen that before in joint practices. We've seen where after seemingly the practice is over, They'll get together the threes and the fours, the guys at the back end of rosters, and they'll scrimmage for 15, 20 minutes. And you that's valuable for those guys. You're a college football fan. You know how the game works. I mean, it's been, what you're talking about right there, that's essentially Thursday night football in college. And that's the, yeah. the term uh, a lot of colleges, most colleges use. Thursday night football, that's when the walk-ons and the guys yep. who are not going to play on Saturday, that's when they get to go at it. And that's when we hear about – you know, J.J. Watt just wrecking Thursday night football when he was uh, transferring in from, from Central Michigan to, yep. to Wisconsin. And it's, it's, it's like you said, man, it's a huge deal. And this, is, this hits at Bill O'Brien's bread and butter. You know, no preseason games. That hurts every coach, I suppose. Yep. Um, but you mentioned no joint practices. This is the first time under Bill O'Brien Texans aren't going to do that. They've always practiced at least with one team, most years with two other teams. Yep. And that also means you have to stay at your facility to do your training camp. So the Texans have almost always, I think they have every season under O'Brien, traveled okay. to a, a, another team's training camp. Can't do that this year. They're going to stay here. So yeah. I think they're going to try and adjust to that. I do think you'll see a practice or two or more 
inside NRG Stadium. We haven't seen that in the in training camp uh, yeah. in a long time. But I do think you'll see that this year. It would surprise me if we don't, John. Yeah, I think that would be that'd be good for the guys to get in the building, especially the rookies. I mean, look, these rookies are coming from college. They've played in big stadiums. They they, you know, John Reed's not going to play a game in the NFL that's yeah. in a bigger stadium than what he had at Penn State. Sure. So, you know, they played, but just this is your building. This is your home. Come on, take a look around, get used to it. You know, guys that, you know, are new to it, catching punts in a dome or in a in an enclosed stadium most of the time, uh, all the time. Um, just all those things you have to sort of get used to and get your bearings um, in your own building. I think they're going to be very, very important. And, of course, when we're talking about July and August, we're talking about one really important aspect and that's getting out of the heat and getting inside and getting into energy stadium where you're going to play games is I think hugely valuable for these guys. Hugely well, the reason they traveled so much, they wanted to get away from yeah. it. Well, they did the Greenbrier yeah. two years. I mean, Absolutely. It's, it's an unforgivable heat and humidity here in Houston. Okay. Mm. Let's move on to the meat of this podcast. Okay. It's all about curiosities and we're going to play four downs. We're covering Four players you are most curious about in 2020. But we're breaking it down because one of them has to be a rookie. One of them has to be a second-year player, so a 2019 rookie. One of them has to be one of the new additions that's a veteran. And one of them is one of the same old, same old. Somebody that's been here, that's been in the system, that you're really curious about. And I'm going to start because I don't want you taking my rookie. (laughs) The rookie that I'm most curious about is John Grenard from Florida, the pass rusher, the outside linebacker, because he led the SEC in sacks. Not an easy thing to do. Transferred in. I mean, it was like his, uh, his master's degree in football was done in the SEC after what he did in his early days at Louisville. I can't wait to see how much he can make an impact, if he can make an impact immediately, because he's playing at a position, at a spot that needs a difference maker, that needs an impact. And perhaps – he can be that guy. I would really, really love to see that because he would be in a mix with guys like Jacob Martin, Duke Edgefor, and the rest who are, you know, hoping to get after the quarterback and be somebody in addition to J.J. Watt that uh, can cause some havoc in the backfield on the other side of the ball. Well, I had it down to two guys, and I mentioned one of them a little while ago, John Reed, and talking about him being at Penn State. I saw John Reed a lot at Penn State, though. The guy that I didn't see live much that I did watch on film who really struck my curiosity is Isaiah Coulter from out of Rhode Island. And he was recruited to go to Rhode Island because of his, um, his I think it's his cousin uh, who was there, I think a year ahead of him. And the head coach of Rhode Island is a guy named Jim Fleming. And Jim Fleming was my defensive coordinator my final year at Brown. He and Bill were on the staff together. Bill was a graduate assistant. Right after he plays last year, he became our graduate assistant, and Jim became our defensive coordinator. Well, Fleming ended up being the head coach at Rhode Island, recruited his older cousin, and then the cousin said, hey, coach, you need to look at this guy, Isaiah Coulter. Brought him in. Guy's 6'2", 200 pounds, runs a 4'4", 5". And when you see him, you're like, whoa, that's – boy, he kind of looks like A.J. Green, like size-wise, body-wise, that whole thing. So I'm curious to see, because when you think about the Texans receivers, 
they're probably unlike a lot of teams in the league. You know, Will Fuller's not the biggest guy in the world. Brandon Cooks, we've seen him up close, you know, a couple of years ago in 2017. Not a big, not a big guy. You know, Kenny is six foot. Um, you know, so he's got some size to him. But Isaiah's like 6'2", six, 6'3", two, six, 200 pounds. I mean, he's a, he's a big guy. Long, lanky. Um, I should say wiry. He's not small. But I'm curious to see his size and how that benefits him um, and to see Deshaun throwing to him and see the quarterbacks throwing to him and see what he's able to do because he's one guy of the, of the list of guys. I mean, I saw those guys. I saw Charlie Heck at the Senior Bowl. I saw all those other guys, I mean, numerous times uh, in, in just watching TV, watching games on Saturday. Rhode Island was not a, a team that we watched a ton. I did watch a bunch of film on Isaiah Coulter. I'm curious to see what he brings. So uh, I'm really curious about the rookie from Rhode Island. Good choice. Okay, I've got Grenard. You've got Coulter. Offense, defense is covered there. All right, second-year players, and I think I'm going to steal your thunder here, but you and I, last May of 2019, I know we were both very, very impressed. We're inside the bubble, mm-hmm. and the few times we're out on the practice mm-hmm. field watching Kahali wearing catch passes. He did some stuff. I mean, he was very, very impressive. He's big. He can move. We know he's athletic because of his background, playing water polo, playing hoops, all that stuff. He's basically redshirted all of last year because of the injury, because of the concussion. But right before that concussion, which happened in Green Bay, when the Texans were practicing with the Packers, he was doing some things. He was having his way with the the Packers defense that was trying to go. I can't remember if it was the first or the second team that was going after him, but he did some things and caught a touchdown or two and looked really, really good. Looked like he belonged. And the Texans didn't spend a third-round pick on him for no reason. So yep. I can't wait to see if and when he gets into the mix, what he can do when he's there, and everything ahead of him. So I'm going to go with Kahali Waring. Wow. You know, it's interesting. Uh, when you said Kahali Waring, I was like, yeah, I probably should have been thinking of him. But I was, I was thinking of somebody completely different from jump and on the other side of the ball because – when we think about the secondary, I still think there are some things up in the air. Uh, one of my curiosities will be potentially the guy who starts opposite Justin Reed at safety. They re-signed Bradley Roby. They, had, they traded for Garyon Conley. And everybody, I think, kind of writes those two guys in as the starters. Like, those are the guys. Conley, Roby, Conley, Roby, Vernon. They brought back uh, Vernon Hargraves the third they brought back he will potentially play in the slot John Reed will push him for some time I think we've all kind of like that's the way we've looked at it and at no point do we really go well hey wait what about Lonnie Johnson that was my second choice yeah that's a good one yeah and I you know me and we talked about this a while and it's funny because uh having this conversation with DP along the way like DP like well, how can you play him at safety? How can you play him at safety? He's a corner. He's a corner. Like, DP, look at him. He's a safety yeah. to me. But I don't know that, A, they see him as a safety. B, he sees himself as a safety. But in the playoff game, when they were banged up at safety and because of the coverages they were playing, he was starting opposite Justin Reed. I think Lonnie Johnson factors into the secondary in some way, shape, or form. And I'm really curious. I know he has spent a lot of time with the footwork king, you know, the Dang guy it. in – I was just about to talk about him. Yeah. Footwork King. (laughs) You got to follow the Footwork King on Twitter. He does some good stuff, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's He's looking a lot of work. Lonnie's looking very crisp with his footwork. Yeah. I can't wait to see what he does. I'm with you, man. Another year in the system. And the last we saw of him, we did not see a true representation of him. He was, he got hurt 
He got dinged up on that that Mikol Hardman kickoff return. Big kickoff return that kind of was one of the starts of the uh, the avalanche of scoring that happened on KC. And so after that, he was he was not playing at 100. percent Now I know right. no one's playing at 100 percent in January, but still to have that happen then, that's not a true representation, I think, of who Lonnie Johnson is and can be. No, I. I don't know ultimately if Lonnie is going to be a guy that can, you know, run with your burner on the outside. You know, I don't know if he's a guy that can run with, uh, you know, you know, Will Fuller. I don't know if Lonnie can you know, run with a guy like Will Fuller. Um, but, you know, can Lonnie match up with bigger receivers? You know, could he match up with a guy like Cortland Sutton down the road? Uh, yeah, I think bigger receivers, uh, I think he's the kind of guy you want to have. The question becomes – what kind of chess piece can he be? Can he be a guy that moves around? And it was funny in some respects, you know, in that playoff game, Travis Kelsey was the guy that gave Lonnie some issue. Well, Travis Kelsey is going to give everybody some issue. Always. Guess how many games Travis Kelsey played in his rookie year? Like Holly Waring. Boop. So from that perspective, you know, if Holly Waring turns into Travis Kelsey and Lonnie Johnson takes a step forward. Boy, you've got, you got some good stuff coming, but uh, my sec, my, the second one on my list would have been Charles Menehu. I think Charles, thinking of two areas where the Texans really need guys in their second year to step up, Lonnie Johnson, Charles Menehu, really, you know, at tight end, I'm, and this is not really needing somebody to step up. This is just like how curious we are. Yeah. I think I'm curious to see whether Charles is ready to handle down in and down out being a guy that can crank it up every down because there are times when he gets up to volume 10, like he's, um, he's almost unblockable one-on-one. He's so long. And, and uh, I mean, I saw him do it at the senior bowl, man, that was, and, and you know, he did it against the senior bowl, Max Sharping, another second year guy. So um, I'm curious to see what those guys do, but Lonnie in particular, he's been a guy just kind of off our radar screen in some sense, because we talked about Conley they brought back Roby. We re-signed Vernon. We drafted John Reed. It looks like the corner positions are kind of settled. But, man, you better have big, long, strong people that can cover in this league with all the different receivers you see. And I think Lonnie's going to factor in in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, and opposing defenses are going to need that against this receiving core for the Texans. And the new addition that's a veteran that I'm most curious about is Brandon Cooks. I know that's, mm. that's not nothing original, but I do think <laughs> the marquee receiver that you brought in – yeah. So fast and complements the speed of Will Fuller across the way so well, as well as the speed of Kenny Stillers so well, as well as what you think Randall Cobb can do in the slot so well, at least on paper. You know, we got to see it happen. But I'm really curious because this guy's somebody that's lit it up and had thousand yard seasons with other great quarterbacks, Drew Brees, Tom Brady. Goff is, you know, not in their stratosphere, but he's good. He's better than average, yep. I think. Yep. So I can't wait to see what he does with Deshaun. I can't wait to see the stress his addition puts on defenses because it's really a pick-your-poison type of situation in theory for these opposing defenses when the Texans line up and he's out wide there. Yeah, Drew, the one thing about Brandon Cooks, we saw it in that game in 2017. Roasted. But he just – I mean – Jonathan Banks never got back in the NFL because of it. Um, but I, I was watching the game against the Browns, a Sunday night game. And the one thing about Brandon Cooks is understanding how to use the speed to your advantage. I think Will Fuller's found out how to do that. And when Will's healthy, it's very difficult to cover. But Brandon's 
so good at whether it's cover three or it's some sort of match coverage where he's basically one-on-one enforcing a defensive back to respect the speed. And he just gets right on the toes of defensive back. And now defensive back has to make a decision. Like, do I turn and run? Do I kind of, do I kind of like kind of grab him a little bit, slow him down? Like, how do I, like, what do I do here? And most DBs will turn and run because they're scared. Like, man, if I don't turn right now and run with this guy, he's going to smoke right past me. Brandon Cooks throttles down, outcut, 15-yard catch, wide open. And they're very rare to see those kind of routes where guys are just wide open. And I saw that plenty of times with Brandon Cooks because he understands how to use his speed. And then he has the ability to break down, make his cuts going full speed. That is a trait that all receivers, if I were to sit down with receivers and say, hey, what's the biggest thing I need to do other than, A, catch the damn ball, is you've got to run every route. Every single route, there's a timing and a pacing that goes with it. But if you can learn especially to run every route full speed and get on DB's feet right away and make him make a decision, you'll win, especially if you can – because you see a lot of guys, and I see a lot of college guys when I study, you can tell they're either counting steps or they know they're going to break it down like four yards before they turn. And those guys are easily coverable. Brandon Cooks is not. My uh, new face that I'm curious about, and I was a big, big fan of his coming out of Minnesota. I saw him at the Senior Bowl a few years ago, and I thought, yeah, man, I don't I, – he's not – He's not playing the corner position in the NFL like I think he's going to. He's probably going to be a nickel or probably going to be a safety. I think he could be a good nickel and safety. He's probably a little bit too handsy, too physical to be a corner in the league. Got in the league and ended up moving to safety, played some nickel. So he's got some coverability. He's got ball skills. I think Eric Murray is going to be a guy that I'm very curious about um, yeah, how he fits with much, this text. There's, there's not been much said about him. That's – no, very logical. Really. Who is this guy? What does he do? Yeah. Uh, came from Cleveland, started a few games there, was in Kansas yeah. City before that. Yeah, that's a good so one. Because I think I think just purely because he hasn't played a ton. He hasn't been the guy a bunch wherever he's gone. You know, he's maybe been a nickel or he's been a third safety out on the field when teams have gone dime. Um, where he started a little bit filling in for guys that have been hurt. Now he could have an opportunity to be the starter opposite Justin Reed. So how does that look? And I loved him at Minnesota. He was very physical, very handsy. I felt like, okay, he probably needs to move. Well, he has moved, but he's got corner skills. And that's the one thing about all the safeties that could see the field drew this year for the Texans is they all got safety backgrounds. Jalen Watkins, who they also, another guy I'm curious about, Eric Murray that they're bringing in. Those guys were corners in college. Uh, Justin Reed played some corner in college. I think played a little bit of corner in college when he was at Stanford back in the day. So you've got guys playing that particular position. I've got some corner coverage ability, which in this league you better have. This league is no longer what it was 15, 20 years ago, and that was you had two guys on the outside could cover a little bit, and you had enforcers in the middle, and they kept everybody out of the middle. You know, the Cam, the Cam Chancellor types, you don't, you don't see them anymore. You don't see guys in the middle of the field. Like, you come across the middle, I'm just going to light you up. Because that was the way the game was played. Well, now you can't do that as much. That's not as big an asset. You better be able to cover. And Eric Murray, Jalen Watkins, having played corner, that helps them a little bit moving forward. So I'm curious to see how they fit in. Okay. 
the same old, same old, which is really a shot at, at these guys who have been around. Not the same old, same old, but who's been on this team hmm. that you're really curious about in 2020? So they've been in the system. They know what's going on. They are nobody new and exciting and fresh. Well, new and fresh, <laughs> I should say. They could be exciting because I think my guy is going to be exciting. The offseason, in a way, for this guy has reminded me of the run-up to 2018. He was coming off two straight season-ending injuries in 16 and 17. Of course, I'm talking about J.J. Watt. And in 18, I think he was, like, making a mental checklist of, (laughs) they've said this about me? Uh, Oh, okay, we'll see about that. And they think I'm not going to do this? All right, well, we'll see. He goes out, plays all 16 games, turns into the first-team all-pro season. You know, just reading the tea leaves, and you and I have been around him for a decade now. Yep. He's not said much. He's not promising or boasting of anything. And we haven't heard from him too much just because of what's going on pandemic-wise. But just little things here and there I've noticed social media, I think he's primed for a huge 2020. And he would have been primed for a big 2019 if he'd played the whole year. But I think the extra rest is going to do him some good. I think the pec injury is such a freak injury that it's not going to – play a big factor. We saw Mario Williams end his Texans career with a pec injury. And then that was week five of 11 signed as a free agent the next year. There were a couple seasons after that in Buffalo where he had 14 and a half sacks and Mario Williams is not the player that JJ Watt is. He's not as good as JJ Watt. And I just, I saw somebody tweet at him or tweet something about like, Oh, he doesn't, he's always injured. You know, when's the last time he wasn't injured and JJ actually responded and said, 2018, I was a first team all pro. So I think he's, he's kept this mental checklist going, not that he ever didn't, but yeah. I really think he's going to be an absolute nightmare again, and I can't wait. And, and you and I have said it a lot of times, never going to get a bet against J.J. Watt. So give me number 99. Yeah. That's my guy to watch. That's who I'm most curious about for this season. The great ones always have receipts. Yeah. They keep, they keep the receipts. Absolutely, without question. Um, you know, there's a guy I'm really curious about. I'll kind of go off the beaten path, seemingly. We like that. Because he's coming off an ACL tear, and he doesn't start for the team. But since he's been here and when he's been healthy, he's found a way to impact the defense and definitely special teams. And – I just think his speed, his smarts, give him a leg up when he's on the field. Uh, And that's Dylan Cole. And I'm curious to see what Dylan has coming back. I, I, I just, I feel like the game in 2020 is suited for guys that in the past may not have ever gotten on the field. And I think 15, 20 years ago, you know, Dylan may not have been a guy that got on the field. You know, he's 5'11 and a half maybe. He's a shade, I think, shorter than I am. Maybe he's probably 240. Now he's yoked up and he can run. But back in the day, uh, you know, of three, four defenses that needed a big thumper uh, or a 4-3, you know, Mike that needed to be 255, 260, he probably would not have would not have fit. And I think – when he got here in 2017, I think the Texans were kind of that way, like, where exactly do we play this guy? And then they realized, wow, he can do a lot of different things for us. Let's get this guy in the field. 
He's coming off an ACL tear. And I just think having a third linebacker that can run the way that he can is going to be very, very valuable. I mean, I think about the Chiefs playoff game. And there were times where running backs, Damian Williams, is getting matched up on Jacob Martin. That's not what Jacob does, man. Jacob rushes the quarterback. Um, and maybe you got a guy like Dylan Cole out on the field that could match up and, and does those things. So I'm, I'm really curious. And, I, and I, I don't know if I've ever told this story. Um, I may have, Drew. Back in 2018, we went to New England to start off the year. And Dylan was on the field playing linebacker. And as the ball's about to be snapped, I saw him get the attention. I don't know if he was out there with Zach or if he's out there with BMAC. I can't remember which one he was out with. But he got his attention, and he pointed. He, like, pointed right at where he thought. He's like, hey, 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 look. Right. He's pointing, like, right at this particular gap. And the Patriots ran the ball right at that gap. And they both linebackers just converged, stopped the play, no game. He then did it a little while later in the game, too, when he was back in later in the game. And I saw him, I saw him the, um, that when we got back, um, we were, you know, open locker room. And I went up to him and said, hey, I said, I saw you do that. And he kind of smiled. I said, did you hear, like, did you hear something? Did you, like, how did you know? And he just smiled at me. And he just said, if you pay attention enough, you figure it out. And I was like, hmm. And so he went on to tell me how he was figuring it out. And I'm like, this is Tom Brady we're talking about here. Like, you deciphered second year in the league, you deciphered what he was what he was doing or saying to a point where you could figure out where they were going with the ball. And he just kind of smiled at me. He's like, maybe. <laughs> and I just, I just kind of, I, I was, I was so impressed by that and so impressed just how he approaches things and what he knows and what he understands, how instinctive he is, how much he studies. I just think that finds a way to help this defense in some way, shape or form. And we lost that about halfway through last year. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that would have helped us. So you think about the playoff game against the chiefs. You got no Dylan Cole. You got no Deshaun Gibson. You got no Jalil Adai. JJ's, you know, banged up. I mean, he's only playing his second game after being out for eight or nine weeks. Um, you're severely banged up on that side. Uh, and I just think Dylan Cole, good football players are going to help you out. And I think Dylan Cole is one I'm very curious to see how he bounces back from ACL. Yeah, you brought up all his defensive help that he gets. He was the special teams captain. I mean, he was the guy that was in charge of the special teams, essentially, when he was out there. That's a good one. Dylan Cole, excellent choice. All right, to recap, curious about – Rookie-wise, I went with Grenard. You went with Coulter, the receiver. Second-year player. So rookies from last year who are entering year two, I'm going with Kahali Waring. You're going with Lonnie Johnson. New addition, I took Brandon Cooks. You took Eric Murray. And I'm going same old, same old. The guys who've been here before were most curious about. We both went with a defender. I'm going with J.J. Watt. What's he do in a comeback year? And you, going with a comeback year as well for Dylan Cole. All right, it's always fun talking with you. Stay dry. It's been raining here on a Tuesday morning in the Houston area. And we'll do this again. John, sound cool? That sounds good, Drew. See you, buddy.